Part Two, Chapter Eleven, of the Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard, reading by Lars Rolander, Part Two. THE WOMAN IN THE CASE CHAPTER Eleven, THE MAGPIE A minute passed, another. The automatic at Jimmie Dale's hip, the muscle just peeping over the tabletop, held a steady bead on the window. Came the footstep again, and then, suddenly, a series of low, quick tappings upon the window pane. The tocsin's hand slipped away from his arm. Jimmy Dale's set face relaxed as he read the underground morse, and he replaced his revolver slowly in his pocket. "'The magpie,' said Jimmy Dale in an undertone. "'What's he want?' "'I don't know,' she answered in a whisper. "'He never came here before. "'There's a back way out, Jimmy, if you—' "'No,' he said quickly. "'We've enemies enough without making one of the magpie. "'He knows someone is here with you. "'Our shadows were on the blind.' Don't queer yourself. Let him in. I light the lamp. He struck a match as she ran from the room, and, lifting the hot lamp chimney with the edge of his ragged coat, lighted the lamp. He turned the wick down a little, shading and dimming the room, and then, as he flirted a bead of moisture from his forehead, whimsically stretched out his hand to watch it in the lamplight. That's bad, Jimmy he muttered gravely to himself, as he noted an almost imperceptible tremor. Got a start, didn't you? Under a bit of strain, eh? Well, grimly, never mind. It looks as though the luck had turned Mac off and Spider-Jack. His hand reached up to his hat, jerked the brim at a rakish angle over his eyes, and he sprawled himself out on a chair. He heard the tocsin's voice at the front door and a man's voice, low and guarded, answer her. Then the door closed, and their steps approached the room. It was rather curious that a visit from the magpie. What could the magpie want? What could there be in common between the magpie and Silver Mag? The magpie, alias Slimmy Joe, was counted the cleverest safe worker in the United States, bearing only and always one. A smile flickered across the lips of Larry the Bat, one whose preeminence the magpie, much to his own chagrin, admitted himself the grey seal. He looked up, twisting the stub of a cigarette between his grimy fingers and fumbling for a match, as the tocsin and behind her the magpie, short, slim and wiry, shrewd-faced, with sharp, quick-glancing little black eyes, entered the room. "'Hello, Larry,' grinned the magpie. "'Got your breath back yet? "'I felt it through the window-pane when yours let go at the lamp.' "'Hello, Slimy,' returned Jimmy Dale ungraciously, speaking through the corner of his mouth. "'Forget it.' "'Sure,' said the magpie unconcernedly. He stared about him, and finally, drawing a chair up to the table, sat down, motioned the tocsin to do the same, and leaned forward amiably. I didn't mean to throw no scare into use, he said in a conciliating tone. 
but i ad a little business with mag and i was kind of interested in whether she was entertaining company or not see i didn't know use and mag was working together mabby observed jimmie dale as ungraciously as before mabby there's some more things use don't know ow cough up de grouch advised the magpie with a hint of impatience creeping into his voice use don't need to be sore all night i told you i wasn't trying to hand you one didn't i never mind larry slimmy put in the tocsin petulantly he's down on his luck that's all he ain't had the price of a pinch of coke for two days oh ho exclaimed the magpie grinning again so that's what givin youse the pip larry well then say youse can take it from me that mabbe youse'll be glad i blew around i was looking for a guy about yer size for a little job to-night and i wasn't thinking of letting young dutch see in on it but seem youse are here and in wid mag and that i got to get mag in too youse are on if you say the word what's the lay inquired larry the bat unbending a little the magpie cocked his eye and stuck his tongue in his cheek good night he said tersely nothing like that are yous on or ain't yous well then what's in it for me persisted larry the bat more'n the price of a coke sneeze returned the magpie pertinently there's a century note for use and maybe two or three of them for mag larry the bat's eyes gleamed avariciously oh quit your kiddin he said gruffly a century note for me that's what i said you's heard me rejoined the magpie shortly only if it listens good to use now i don't want to squeal in after the divvy i'm taking the chances use has the soft end of it one century note for use and the rest is none of your business that's puttin it straight ain't it well what you say and say it quick cause if use ain't comin in use can beat it out of here so's i can talk to mag there ain't nothing i would take a chance on for a hundred plunks declared larry the bat with sudden fervency and stared anxiously expectant at the magpie sure i'm on slimy sure i am cut it loose spill the story well then said the magpie i wants you ain't through yet interrupted the tocsin tartly i ain't heard you asking me nothing i ain't on me uppers like larry and maybe the price don't cut so much ease see oh said the magpie with a smirk i don't have to ask yous on this lay this is where yous come in on it for marbles say this is where we gets the hook into a guy by the name of henry lasalle get me henry lasalle under the table jimmie dale's hand clenched suddenly but not a muscle of his face moved save as with the tip of his tongue he shifted the butt of the cigarette that was hanging royally from his lower lip to the other corner of his mouth sure she's got you slimy he flung out with a grin as the tocsin wrinkled up her face menacingly and began to mumble to herself he's the guy that handed her one when she was young and she's been lying for him ever since 
Sure, I know. Ain't I worked him for her till I wears me shoes out trying to get something on him? Sure, she's in on it. Go on, Slimmy, what's the lay? What do I do for that century? The magpie hitched his chair closer to the table and, as his sharp little ferret eyes glanced around the room, motioned the two to bring their heads nearer. One of me influential broker friends down on Wall Street put me wise, he said with a wink. That's good enough for use, too, as far as that goes. But take it from me. I got it dead straight. He lowered his voice. Say, he's one of the richest mugs in New York, ain't he? Well, he's been selling stocks and bonds all day, thousands and thousands of dollars worth for cash. All them things is always sold for cash, remarked Larry the Bat fatuously. Oh, forget it, said the magpie earnestly. For cash, I said. De coin, de long green, understand? He wasn't showing no checks for what he sold into the bank except to get them cashed. That's what he's been doing all day, getting the checks cashed and getting the money in big bills, see? I know of one bunch of eighty thousand, and there's only one. What fair? inquired Larry the Bat. It was the question that was pounding at his brain as he stared innocently at the magpie. What did it mean? Why was Henry LaSalle turning, and, if the magpie was right, feverishly turning every security he could lay his hands on into cash? And then, in a flash, the answer came. They had not found the package. Equally to them as to the tocsin, sitting there before him, it meant life and death. If the package were found by the tocsin instead of themselves, the game was up. They were preparing for eventualities. If they were forced to run at a moment's notice, they at least were not going to run empty-handed. Far from empty-handed, it seemed. It would not be difficult for the state executor to realize a vast sum in short order on instantly marketable, gilt-edged securities, say half a million dollars, not very bulky either, in large bills. Five thousand hundred dollar bills would make half a million. It was astonishing how small a handbag, say, might hold a fortune. What first, Lemmy? he inquired again, wiggling his cigarette butt on his tongue tip. What he do that fer? How the hell do you suppose I knows? demanded the magpie, politely scornful. That's his business. That ain't what's worrying me. No, sure it ain't, admitted Larry the Bat ingratingly. But go on, keep moving, Slimmy. What's he done with the stuff? Done with it? echoed the magpie with a short laugh. What do you think? He been lugging it home to his swell joint up there on the avenue and cramming his safe full of it. Larry the Bat sucked in his breath. Gee, that's soft, he muttered, and then suddenly, as though with painful inspiration, Say, Slimmy, say, are you sure you ain't been handed a steer? The magpie grinned wickedly. I ain't falling for stairs, he said shortly. This is on the level. Jimmy Day lurched up from his chair, and, leaning over the lamp chimney, drew wheezily on his cigarette to get a light. 
His eyes sought the Tocsin's face. To all intents and purposes she was entirely absorbed in the magpie. He sat down again to gape with a well-stimulated dog-like admiration at Slimmy Joe. Was this, too, a plant? Why had the magpie come to them with the story of Henry LaSalle? And then, the next instant, as the magpie spoke, his suspicions were allayed. "'Let's get down to cases,' the magpie invited crisply. "'I didn't blow in here just by luck. "'This Henry LaSalle is the guy you's worked for once, ain't he, Mag? "'That's the spiel, ain't it? "'He sent you up for pinching the tacks out of his carpets?' "'I never pinched nothing,' snarled Silver Mag truculently. "'He's a dirty liar. I never did.' "'Cut it out. Cut it out. Can that?' complained the magpie patiently. The point is, you's worked in his house, didn't yous? Sure I did, snapped the tocsin, sullenly aggressive. But, well, then that's what I want. That's what I come for. Mag, a plan of the house, say? Jimmy Dale could feel the tocsin's eyes upon him, questioning, searching, seeking a cue. A plan of the house? Yes or no? And a decision on the instant. "'Sure,' said Larry the Bat brightly. "'That's what I was thinking yous were after all the time. "'Say, yous are all right, Slimmy. "'Yous are the kind to work with. "'Go on, Mag, draw the dope for Slimmy. "'That's better than trying to put one over on the swell guy. "'This'll make him squeal fair fair.' The magpie produced a pencil and a piece of paper from his pocket and laid them on the table in front of the toxan. "'There yous are,' he announced. Help yourself, and go to it, Mag. The tocsin, evidently not quite certain of her part, wet the pencil doubtfully on the end of her tongue. I ain't never drawed plans, she said anxiously. Maybe, she glanced at Jimmy Dale, maybe I don't know how to do it right. Ah, go ahead, nodded Larry the Bat. Yous can do it right, Mag. Yous don't have to make no oil painting. All the magpie wants is the doors and windows, eh, Slimmy? Sure, agreed the magpie encouragingly. That's all, Mag. Just mark the rooms out on the first floor and the basement. Yous can explain what yous are doing as yous go along. I'll get yous. The tocsin cackled maliciously in assent. And then, while the magpie got up from his chair and stood peering over her shoulder, she began to draw laboriously, her brows knitted, the pencil hooked awkwardly between cramped-up forefinger and thumb. Larry the Bat slouched forward over the table, his chin in his hands, appeared to watch the proceedings with mild interest, but his eyes, like a hawk's, were following every line on the paper, transferring them to his brain, photographing every detail of the plan in his mind. And as he watched, there seemed something that was near to Ace of all that was ironical with the magpie standing there, his sharp little black eyes drinking in greedily the tocsin's work, in the tocsin herself aiding and abetting in the projected theft of her own money. How far would he let the magpie go? He did not know. Perhaps, who would could tell, all the way, between now and then there lay that package. If it were at Makoff's, at Spider Jack's, if he could find it, get it, the magpie, as a temporary custodian of the estate's money, would at least preclude its loss by flight 
if the crime club took alarm too quickly. Larry the Bat's eyes, under half-closed lids, rested musingly on the magpie's face. The magpie would not get very far away with it. On the other hand, if he failed at Spider Jack's, if, after all, he was wrong, and the package had never been there, or if they had forestalled him, turned the trick upon him, already secured it, then Larry the Bat's lips, working on his cigarette, formed in a twisted smile, then, well then, that was quite another matter. Perhaps he and the magpie might not agree so far. A half million dollars was perhaps not much out of eleven millions, but it was a salvage not to be despised. Why did he say half a million? Well, why not? If the magpie knew of a single transaction of eighty thousand, and there had been many transactions during the day, a half million was little likely to prove an exaggeration, and the less likely in view of the fact that, if those in the crime club were preparing for an emergency, they would not stint themselves in the disposal of securities. The magpie was keeping up a running fire of questions, as the toxan toiled on with her pencil. Where did the hall lead to? How many windows in the library? Did she remember the kind of fastenings? Did the servant sleep in the basement or above? And finally, twice over, as she finished the clumsy drawing and pushed it toward him, he demanded minute details of the position of the safe. Ow, oh, that's all right, Slimmy, Larry the Bat cut in airily. If yous forget anything when yous get in there, yous can ask me. I got it kinched. The magpie folded the paper and stowed it carefully away in his pocket. "'Ask you, eh? he grunted sarcastically. "'And where do you think you'll be about that time?' "'In there with you, of course,' replied Larry the Bat promptly. "'That's what you said.' "'Yes, you will not,' announced the magpie with cold finality. "'Do you think I want to queer myself?' A hot one used be on the inside job. Yous'll be outside, with your people skinned for the bulls. Yous and Mag here too. See? Get that straight. While I'm on the job, yous two plays the game. Now yous listen to me, both of yous. Don't start nothing, unless yous has to. If it's a kinch, I got to make a getaway. Yous two start a drunk fight, get me? Yous no delay. Throw the talk loud and I'll fade. That's all. We'll crack the crib early. It'll be quiet enough up there by one o'clock. One o'clock? Larry the Bat shook his head. What time was it now? It was about nine when he had first met the toxan. Then the sanctuary. Then the long walk as he had followed her. Say, a quarter of ten for that. And he had certainly been here with her not less than an hour and a half. It must be after eleven, then. One o'clock. And before that must come Makoff and Spider Jack. The night that half an hour ago had seemed so sterile was crowding a program of events upon him now. Too fast. Nothing doing, he said thoughtfully. You are in wrong, dear Slimmy. One o'clock don't go. Say, take it from me. I watched that guy too many nights for Mag. Ain't often he leaves the club before one o'clock, and he ain't never in bed before two. 
"All right," agreed the Magpie, after a moment's reflection. "Youse ought to know. Make it three o'clock." He pulled a cigar from his pocket, lighted it, and, leaning back in his chair, stuck his feet up on the table. "If youse don't mind, Mag, I'll stick around a while," he decided calmly. "Maybe de less I'm seen tonight, de better." And I guess there won't be nobody looking for me here. Larry the Bat coughed suddenly and rose up a little heavily from his chair. He had not counted on that. If the magpie was settling down for a prolonged stay, it devolved upon him, Jimmy Dale, to get away, and at once, and without exciting the magpie's suspicions. He coughed again, looked nervously from the toxan to the magpie, stammered, swallowed hard, and coughed once more. "'Well, what's bitten yours?' inquired the magpie, ironically. "'Nothing,' said Larry the Bat, and hesitated. "'Nothing only,' he hesitated again, and then the words in a rush. "'Sigh, Slimmy, couldn't youse come across with a piece of that century now?' "'What fair?' demanded the magpie a little aggressively. Larry the Bat cleared his throat with a desperate effort. "'Youse knows.' he admitted sheepishly. Just scream me the price of one, Slimmy, just one. Coke, exploded the magpie, and get soaked to the eyes. Not by a damn sight. No, honest to God, no, Slimmy, just one, pleaded Larry the Bat. Nix, said the magpie shortly. Larry the Bat thrust out a hand before the magpie's eyes that shook tremulously. I've got to have it, he declared with sudden fierceness. I got to see look at me. I ain't going to be no good tonight if I don't. I tell yous I got to. I ain't going to row yous down, Slimmy. Honest, I ain't. Just one, and it'll set me up if I don't get none. I'll be on the rocks before morning. That's straight, Slimmy. Ask Mag, she knows. Oh, let him go get it, broke in the tocsin wearily. That's the best thing youse can do, Slimmy. Dear all like when they gets in his class. Youse cocaine sniffers gives me dead peep, snorted the magpie in disgust. He dug down into his pocket, produced a bill, and flung it across the table to Larry the Bat. Well, there youse are. But you can take it from me, Larry, that if you get whiffed, he swore threateningly, I'll crack every bone in your face. Get me? Slimmy, said Larry the Bat fervently, grabbing at the bill with a hungry hand. Yours can count on me. I'll be up there on the job before you, are. Three o'clock, eh? Well, so long, Slimmy. He slouched eagerly to the door. So long, Mag. He paused on the threshold for a single quick-flung, significant glance. Say yous on the avenue, Mag. I'll be up there before you, sir. So long. Oh, so long, said the tocsin contemptuously. And an instant later, Jimmy Dale closed the outer door behind him. End of Part 2 Chapter 11 The Magpie from the Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard. Read by Lars Rolander.